Everyday Superhumans, the podcast where we sit down and speak with everyday superhumans that are just ordinary citizens. Don't you like what <laughs> I did with that? <laughs> Uh, I wanted to change it up, okay? Okay, yeah, I'd love. All right, so do you want to do some freestyle rap, too, before we begin? Yo, yo, I'm no, from St. Louis. My name is Caroline. Like <laughs> We're in my apartment in the studio. Yeah, the studio that is your bedroom <laughs> because it's the most noise-proof room. Away from Nugget. Yeah. Back to what we're actually about. <laughs> yeah. Everyday Superhumans. And we interviewed Catherine Gonzalez. Of Out Youth. Yes. Yes. Do you want to elaborate what they do? Yes, I will. (laughs) Out Youth is a drop-in center for LGBT youth. It's also a safe place where they can feel at home and respected and loved for who they are. So it's a really great program. They not only service Travis County, but they serve the five surrounding Mm -hmm. counties. They've had over 10,000 people graduate so to speak since i call them alumni who've passed through and have like helped have had out, out youth in their life and are still contributing to it through donations and volunteering and they've made a significant impact basically on the youth of austin and the place too is so adorable yeah, it's, it's just, in the middle of a neighborhood it's a little blue house in yeah, a residential just, area it's like a really nice it could, you would not think like that this is like i don't know you just think it's like somebody's house Mm-hmm. And it feels like somebody's house. Like you're going in like visit friends. Yeah, let's go on in and visit. When did Out Youth start? So Out Youth was founded in 1990. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Two, yeah, 26 years ago. So it was founded by two graduate students who were studying at the University of Texas at Austin. Mm-hmm. They were there to get their social work degrees and were focusing on the needs of what were then called uh, sexual and gender minority youth. So happy we don't call them that anymore. Mm, yeah. And they discovered in their research that the best way to support LGBTQ youth was through peer-facilitated support groups. So Mm -hmm. getting youth together to talk about what was going on in their lives. Um, So in living rooms across Austin in 1990, out youth began. Wow. We're in uh, currently, I guess, is the main office of out youth right now? Yeah. So this house is our main office building. It's a really inviting house. It's like a nice blue, like soft blue color in the front. It's like not intimidating. Yeah. And just a quick walkthrough here looks really homely. How did this house come about? We purchased this house about 15 years ago. Okay. And before we purchased it, it was the office of one of the gay newspapers in Texas. So it's kind of always been a little queer house on mm. the corner of 49th and a half. But we bought it all those years ago. And our youth always have that comment that, you know, they've expected to arrive at some sort of commercial type building Mm -hmm. or some sort of hospital facility and instead they drive up and it's this little blue house and they walk in and it's a living room and there's people that look like them here and Mm -hmm. the first thing we ask them is their name and pronouns we don't get that anywhere else out youth has done a lot of things over the years but the core of what we've always done is offering a place for youth to feel like they've got a second home Mm -hmm. where they are loved acknowledged and accepted for exactly who they are no matter how many times that might change and by extension they become part of this family. So whenever we have a new youth come in, this I always end the intake process the same way, which is, you know, this is your first time here. You could come back a thousand times or never again. And that doesn't change the fact that you are part of this family now. Family that's over 10,000 members at this point. Wow. By our, yeah. our most Austin? conservative estimates. No, our family, our alumni have traveled all over the world. Oh, okay. You know, our oldest alum right now would be 46. Wow. 
And that's cool. You keep in contact with them. Do you have alumni events? We don't have alumni events yet, but we are definitely working on it because one of the, so kind of a dual purpose to having an alumni network is that we do hear a lot from adults that they wished that they'd had something like Out Youth growing up. And after hearing Mm -hmm. that for 12 years, they said, well, you know, just because you didn't get it when you were a teenager, that doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity for you to experience out youth in some way. So we're trying to figure out kind of how to build this alum network and still invite those who may not have been here as youth mm-hmm. to still get involved. And I'd take it, it's only a youth-based thing, so it's like, what, 12 through 18? We serve support? youth 12 to 23. 23. But okay. we do break that age apart. So Sundays and Wednesdays, we have the drop-in center open for youth 12 to 18. And what's the drop-in center? So the drop-in center is this building that we're in, this little blue house. So it's okay. kind of office space mm-hmm. one minute and then converts <laughs> into a drop-in <laughs> space at the other. Though we are currently working on expanding our youngest age downward. Mm -hmm. to about five years old because we're getting lots and lots of calls from parents who have trans kids that are coming out five, six, seven years old. And first few times I got those phone calls, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are these parents going to, like, how are they reacting? They're like, oh, no, no. No, no, I'm totally cool with it. We just want a place for our kid to go. Oh, that's really cool. Wow. And I've not had the opposite of that yet. So I know that You know, not only is there demand, we've got this whole generation of parents right now that are raising these gender creative Mm -hmm. youth. Younger kids are being comfortable with who they are earlier and earlier because Mm -hmm. society is becoming more accepting. Okay, like I can tell my parents about this. I know um, my sister, actually, she's 14. She's about to turn 15. But uh, one of her friends is a born female, identifies as a male. And because of that, actually, my sister is now involved in her high school's LGBT straight alliance, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and she's only 15, mm-hmm. or almost 15, and she, she's more politically involved than I ever was at that age, which I think is great. Because, like, we are, I mean, this is from uh, my point of view, it seems like that a lot of things have changed over the times, like with legalization of same-sex marriage. Yes. Has that made approaching out youth a lot easier for people? So, yes and no. You know, the, the difficulty... Well, the opportunity, perhaps, for out youth, especially after the Supreme Court's ruling, is that it did legitimize, whether we want to use that word or not, it did legitimize the lives of a large portion of our community. At the same time, for our youth who are 12, 13, 14, they can perceive it as a milestone. They can be happy about it. Mm -hmm. But they're not getting married anytime soon. So I don't think it's made it any easier or more difficult for youth to approach us. But I do think that having that kind of endorsement has made it a lot easier for parents to Mm. approach us and ask for the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand you have, I was like, on your website, you have a huge list of programs you do. Do you have a specific program for teaching parents, like educating parents on this? Because they grew up in a different time. We do. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of things that are available for families. The one that's speaking most directly to what you're talking about is our family circle of support group. So that's a uh, an actual counseling-based support group mm-hmm. that meets off-site on Sundays for six weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's what we'd call a time-limited group. And that's a space for adult family members of LGBT youth. So we don't define this as parents only. It could be parents, guardians, aunts, uncles, sister, brother, close friends, doesn't matter to us if you are wanting to get support to share ideas Mm -hmm. one of the things that i find that i found kind of most humorous after we finished our first 
family circle of support group, one of the parents came to me and said, you know, the thing that was most helpful to me was having a group of parents to talk to about, like, dating rules for my lesbian daughter. Hmm. I was like, well, what did you learn? Well, that we should just treat her the same way as our other kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, yeah. that's, ex- that's exactly, <laughs> that is exactly correct. Yeah. Um, but without that forum, I, I don't know what mom would have done. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she'd be like, no, you can't do that. Or well, a lot of times, I guess they're being, they don't know what to do. It's out of the norm for their life. They grew up, they had a heterosexual relationship, yeah. so they don't know how to approach it. Yeah. So Out Youth has been known for most of our 26 years as really being a youth-only space and it is Mm -hmm. during drop-in this is a Mm youth-only space but what we've come to understand and as our work has evolved is that it's not just enough to make youth safe within these walls Mm -hmm. that we have to also make it safe for them outside so we kind of took two approaches to that one instead of only doing our programs Mm in-house so having like our volunteers or staff lead the programs in-house we actually go out into the community and invite folks in, regardless of their identity, if they've got something cool to teach our youth. Mm-hmm. And huh. what it's teaching our youth is that, you know, these aren't the only adults that love and accept you. Like, there are all these other folks out there mm-hmm. that really want to get to know you and want to support you. At the same time, going out into schools, creating these family programs so that all of the folks that surround our youth are also well-versed and able to help support them as they grow. Like, what are some of the biggest challenges of the day-to-day operations here out youth? Just like any job, there are hurdles that, you know, once you get into it, you have to figure out how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. The largest hurdle that we're facing right now and attempting to resolve is an issue of capacity. Mm-hmm. By our estimate, yeah. there are 15,000 LGBTQ youth in Travis County. We serve Travis County and the five surrounding counties. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. With our drop-in center. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's a lot of youth. Wow. Uh, we are only physically able to accommodate 500 per year in wow. house. Now, that is not to say that all 15,000 in Travis County need us. Mm-hmm. But I'm certain that more than 500 need oh, us. Oh, yeah. So there's kind of three ways that we're tackling that. So it's physical space. Mm-hmm. This house is not large enough to accommodate Mm -hmm. any more than what we already do. So we are in the process of planning a capital campaign to raise the funds necessary to tear this building down and build something larger. Cool. But it will still look like a house. That's good. Yeah, uh, an office building over there. Mm-hmm. Just sell yeah, we're going corporate now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> glass sides, all sides. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and eighteen stories tall. Yeah. For the neighbors would love that. <laughs> so, that? for your listeners who don't know, we're actually in a residential neighborhood. Yeah, so a 17, 18 story glass enclosed <laughs> sky rise is not something that I think we could get past. Really the neighbors, neighbors probably would not like that one. <laughs> probably not happening. <laughs> um, staff capacity. So raise the money necessary to hire more staff. Oh, how big is your staff right now? So right, right now we have three full-time, two part-time staff, which again, due to our physical capacity, we really couldn't accommodate any more staff members than that. Mm-hmm. Like we are trying to figure out how to bring on another part-time or full-time therapist, mm-hmm. which is great and would help us resolve some of our wait list issues. But I don't have any place to put the new therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is that? Like a ten on the front yard? That's not confidential. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't talk about stressful environment. So, it, 
as part of dealing with the physical space limitations in the short term while we try to raise the funds to build something new, we are kind of working with our partners to figure out is there a space on the east side of Austin, perhaps, that we could send a therapist to and they could do some therapy sessions over there so that youth wouldn't have to travel as far? Mm. Or South Austin, North Austin, Round Rock. So trying to be creative with space and knowing that it doesn't always have to be in this building, mm. at the same time knowing that the building still needs to be larger. Yeah. There could and be then, satellite offices. So, yes, speaking of legal things that are <laughs> super messy, we yeah. have looked into that and... <laughs> the liability, kind of the coordination on a staff that's already so small. We'd have to mm -hmm. visit several times a month. One of the things we are exploring, though, that is kind of a step in that direction is uh, community-based GSAs. GSAs. So, so what were formerly called gay-straight alliances, oh, yeah. and we yeah. now call gender and sexuality alliances. Mm. OutYouth is the, the statewide replication site for Texas of the national GSA network. So we register and provide resources to GSA clubs in middle schools and high schools. But one of the things we have been looking at is, especially in more conservative areas of Texas, where it's really hard to get a GSA started. But we have been 100% success really? successful Do because, you know, cities? it's the law. Um, <laughs> if you're going to have student clubs, you have to allow GSAs period. Mm -hmm. Or you can just huh. close down yeah, all of true, your yes. clubs, yeah. which we've had happen. So, oh, I mean, I don't know that that's a hundred percent, but in some schools, oh yeah, some schools had... have completely eliminated all extracurricular in clubs. Order to in order keep to away not have, from yeah, to keep the gays away. You know, building these community-based GSAs, which can be started by adults in the community mm -hmm. and start running and operating and providing support to youth without having to wait for the schools to get on board. Mm. Uh, not to say that we wouldn't, but it also kind of makes our work easier to have a community-based GSA that's there and passionate and mm. also there to lobby in person to make sure that you know the advocacy is on the ground and always in the schools to say, you know, this is something that we need. Uh, when it comes to like, stuff like fundraising, do you have like, any huge fundraising events that you do annually? Like we do. We're actually coming up on one right now. So we do... Glitz in the oh, yeah, fall. It's on your website. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that started as a cocktail party five mm -hmm. years ago, and now it is morphed into our annual gala. So it is cool. kind of a seated dinner program thing mm -hmm. that's every fall. And then every spring, it only took me 25 years to get it. <laughs> um, so Out Youth has had a queer youth prom every year for all 26 years uh -huh. that we've been in operation. Cool. We just had our first second chance adult prom. Oh. So a chance for our adults who really always wanted to come to the out youth prom, uh, but couldn't because they're too they're old. Too old. Yeah. Uh, we had we did have our first second chance adult prom at the W last last spring. So spring of this year, cool. it was super cute. The theme was under the sea. <laughs> oh. There were like awkward prom photos. Yeah, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> I wish I could have a prom again because I didn't. Well, you can next spring. Uh, that's true. That's right. I'll make I sure can. you get an invite. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. That would like fulfill life goals. There. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's like interesting. a do over. Everyone there had a lot of fun, but it was really nice hearing from folks afterward who said, you know, I didn't go to prom when I was a kid because it wasn't safe to go who, with who I wanted to, or I had to mm. go with a girl I knew from class, or like, it just wasn't a fulfilling and memorable experience. Was gonna come to your second chance adult prom just to have fun, yeah. and then like was there, but actually had this really reparative experience. Mm. 
So how did you get personally involved in Out Youth, since you aren't from the Austin area originally? So I started at the University of Texas at Austin in 2003 and got involved with Out Youth through my work in activism and advocacy on UT campus. So uh, I think one of the first things we did uh, at UT was host a student lobby day. So worked with Out Youth to bring some of their youth over to get trained and then go to the Capitol to go um, door to door and say, whether you like it or not, we're here. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, mixed experiences then, still mixed experiences now, um, when our youth go to tell their stories. But that's how it started in 2004 for me. So I've been involved without youth almost as long as I've been in Austin. Kind of volunteered off and on over the years, then came on in 2009 or 2010, I can't remember, as a resource development consultant here then became the part-time operations director and now the full-time programs and operations director. So just kind of, you gradually... It took me 12 years to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, And Austin, too, because everybody wants a job in Austin. Everybody in Austin wants a job. And everybody would like to work it out, youth, and we we totally understand that. Again, it goes back to that capacity thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. with three full-time, two part-time staff members, there's not a lot of turnover. And when there is... I think the last position we posted, we got over 25 applications for something that required a lot of very specific experience. Oh, wow. So it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said that you started out volunteering. I get somebody like registered to volunteer here. Last year, in 2015, we had over 1,000 people express interest in volunteering here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can see the house. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have space for 1,000 people. <laughs> Um, And I would say the majority of folks who apply to volunteer want to be youth-facing in the drop-in center. Mm -hmm. The reality is I have eight positions. Mm -hmm. Four on Sunday, four on Wednesday, and four on Thursday. But those are young adults and don't need as much observation. Uh So that's it's been a big challenge. And one of the things we try to convey to our volunteers or those who want to volunteer is that those are the eight positions, one of the eight positions you're going for, it's super competitive. But there are a multitude of other ways to get involved. So we need to help with general like clerical stuff, what we would very clearly call envelope stuffing and data entering, which everybody (laughs) loves. Everybody loves that. Everybody wants. Um, So what we've tried to do instead of offering kind of those really typical nonprofit volunteer experiences is saying, well, what skills can you bring to the table that we could really use? Mm -hmm. So for example, I have a marketing and communications team made Mm -hmm. up entirely of volunteers who in their professional career are marketers. Oh, Mm -hmm. that'd be great. They're kind of a step above volunteers. Mm -hmm. And that's also something that it's nice to get the chance to convey that here it's not something where you can call up and say, hey, I want to come in this Sunday and volunteer. One, that's not the way it works for sheer numbers, but also Mm. we are a youth service center. Background checks are really important. Reference Mm. checks, interviews, making sure that they're a good fit. It's a long process, probably three months. (laughs) But then you get really high quality people. We do. That's true. You get the best of the best. We do. So, And it's actually funny you bring that up because when I started here, the way volunteers were handled was like, we if you were interested in volunteering, you came in for an orientation that was like three or four hours on a Saturday, I think. And then you got your background check and then you could volunteer. That was it. But 
there weren't a ton of positions, so scheduling was super hard, mm-hmm. and people would just fall off. And finally, it was just this year that we said, you know, why don't we flip this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Because we know that people go through the whole process because they are very committed and passionate about helping us, which is awesome. And then they get into the space and realize what it really means mm-hmm. to volunteer in a drop-in center. And it's not just hanging out and talking to youth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a portion of it. But even then, there are very specific skills that are necessary. And what kind of skills do you look for in a candidate usually? So right now, the requirement that you would read on the website is they have to have a minimum of one year of experience working with teenage youth. That's your teachers, guidance counselors, Mm -hmm. camp counselors, folks that may have worked in other LGBT youth centers. We actually have one right now that I'm thinking of. So that takes a lot of that guesswork about the skills out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of it is about boundaries. A lot of it is about mental health first aid, making sure that you've got your CPR and your first aid Mm -hmm. and all of the all the stuff that you would think about needing Mm -hmm. as a person working in a drop in center. So we have flipped this on its head because people would get in and go, I don't know that this really is a good fit. Now, folks that are interested in volunteering are always invited to our monthly open house. And those are open to anyone in the community of any age who just want to come in and see the space and get Mm -hmm. to know us. And what we're noticing is that it's working, that people will come in the space, kind of get a sense of it and say, you know what? No, I don't think I can make Mm -hmm. a four-hour commitment every Wednesday or every Sunday for a year, which is another one of the requirements. Um, So instead, I'm looking for something different. But I like what you do. I like all of this. But, Mm -hmm. you know, going through that whole process to become a drop-in volunteer really isn't it. I bet you get a lot of donors from that, though. People that come in and want to help, but they can't make the commitment. That's my hope. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that is on my project list for this month is starting up our CrowdRise platform. Mm-hmm. which we're also using as part of our involvement with the Austin Marathon, Austin Gives Miles program, where runners can sign up to run for out youth and raise money. Oh, oh. that's really cool. Running, because we it? both Do you? Yeah, I, I think I found our first runner. Yeah. <laughs> but the benefit that we're seeing from this partnership with Austin Gives Miles and CrowdRise is that anybody who wants to support out youth, but you know, maybe you're a millennial, and $10 a month is something you could swing, but really wish that you could give 100 a month, mm-hmm. well, set up a CrowdRise peer-to-peer fundraising page for out. You can get your friends to do it, too. We're actually setting it up explicitly for folks who call us and say, hey, I'm having a birthday, and I want friends to donate to you. Can you set me up a donate page? So uh-huh. is CrowdRise kind of like Patreon or like Yeah, I, I think so. I, I've never heard of CrowdRise before. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of this new breed of peer-to-peer fundraising platforms. I bet a lot of youth become more confident too as you see them yeah so again funny you bring this up Mm -hmm. um this team that we've assembled all five of the staff are very critical Mm -hmm. but this team that i'm talking about that's very critical to the youth myself the operations programs director izzy star our programs coordinator and sarah kapastashi our clinical services director we all work really well together and one of the things that we weren't satisfied with anymore was when folks would ask are your youth more confident we would have to say yes but only anecdotally. Mm. Like I can only tell you from personal Mm. experience. So what we've been working on is a youth development model with some assessments built into it so that we can actually show that 
yeah. youth really are making cool. progress. So they'll yeah. be assessed when they come in. And that'll be part of the intake. And it sounds a lot more boring than it is. They'll answer a couple of questions. Yes, no, probably, or a ranking mm-hmm. scale mm-hmm. in intake. And then we'll survey them once a quarter, which we already have to do for some of our grants. Yeah. So we'll be able to start That's showing cool. not only who's progressing and becoming more confident, we're also hoping it will be an early warning system for youth mm-hmm. who might be not doing so well. Again, things that we can notice by observation, but also nice to have kind of this backup tool to say, mm-hmm. you know, you might want to touch base with this youth mm-hmm. and see what might be going on. And it'd be good to measure, I guess, like their progress like throughout the yeah. time. Like, okay, they came in very self-conscious and depressed and they leave like feeling confident and knowing themselves a lot better. You will exactly. have more data for that. Are you familiar with like the website Charity Navigator by any chance? Yes. Yeah. Like they, they rank charities based on like how they're, how they analyze data and like how transparent they huh. are. Actually, I do. A, I donate a hundred dollars each paycheck to charity, and I just like my charities through Charity Navigator. Then I choose Fantastic. one Austin charity. I donate to you guys last paycheck. So. And you just, yeah, I was like, you just did that yeah. last night. I drag on with her that we're bribing our guests. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. to them. Nope. And I. So that's funny because all of those kind of third-party ways that we receive money. Yeah. It's really hard for us to know where that comes from sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just saying that so that your listeners website. don't. Oh, you did it through our website. Yeah. 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 Got it. Okay. Then everything. it was super transparent. Yeah. yeah. And I knew it was you. Yeah, you'll see it on there. Now you Perfect. literally know. You yeah, know. now li- he's sitting right in front of me. <laughs> it's very rare I get to meet our donors. Yeah, so this is nice. You. One question that, I mean, as a heterosexual millennial uh, myself, I'm uh, curious, like, if like, I'm very LGBT aware and like, I'm very supportive of it. Is that common amongst millennials in your observation? Or is that more of just, like, a specific thing? Like, my friend just happened to be that way. So, <laughs> I mean, both things can be true. <laughs> But what we are noticing is that with the younger generations, whether we want to label them as millennials or not, so there's a couple of things that we're starting to notice. One, like earlier, we're getting calls from parents of trans youth who are coming out at five, six, seven years old. And one of the questions I always try to get in there is some polite way of asking, like, how are you doing with it? And to have them say, I'm totally cool with it. I just want my kid to have some friends like them. Like, that's telling me a lot Mm -hmm. about where we're at. I also think it's really interesting to see the increase in the number of college-age folks that want to intern here. Mm-hmm. Out Youth has always been a magnet for folks that want to work with LGBTQ youth. What I find really interesting is that, especially in the last year, folks that are applying for internships here, once we get them on the phone and try to figure out what they're interested in, they're not so much interested in working with LGBT youth as just working with youth and mm-hmm. kind of don't see that They can see Um, and appreciate the difference between mm -hmm. LGBT and non-LGBTQ youth. And at the same time, they don't care. They just know that out youth does great work and Mm -hmm. want to come work here. So it's kind of this weird mind switch that's having to go on for us. Knowing that in the 90s, when we started in 1990, no internet. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what a dark and scary time that was? Yeah, you can't go to... You can't go anywhere. You can't go that. anywhere. Uh, so we didn't have Facebook, you, Tumblr. How do you promote? So it's funny <laughs> like, you ask. I have a story. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. So in those early days, we promoted Out Youth by making copies of flyers uh-huh. and going to all the public libraries in Austin oh. and putting our flyers in the pages of LGBTQ-themed books Oh, that's and really putting clever. them in the dictionaries. Whoa. That as really many dictionaries as we can. So the page wow. that had gay on it, the page that had lesbian, yeah. the page that had transgender on it. So that as youth were going to look up kind of the meaning of what they might be feeling, that they mm-hmm. would find us. 
And then, of course, word of mouth. It, mm-hmm. It's still our number one referral source yeah. after all these years, whether that's family, friend. Actually, somebody came in the other day and said, my mom's hairdresser referred oh. us to you. Oh, I'm like, oh. sweet. <laughs> that's like the best referral ever. <laughs> so part of the Texas GSA Network's work is calling all of the public schools in Texas, middle schools and high schools, over 10,000 of them. Wow. So phone bank time. (laughs) So we call all of them and we're changing up our strategy this year. Whereas before it would be like, hi, this is Catherine from the Texas GSA Network. I was calling to see if you guys have a GSA or other kind of diversity club at your school. Mm -hmm. If we got any further than click, kind of have a conversation and try to register Mm -hmm. them. This year we're taking the kind of a back-end approach. So calling and saying, can I speak to your guidance counselor, school social Mm -hmm. worker, school resource office, somebody like that, the kind of the more social services Mm -hmm. end, introduce ourselves, get their contact information, and then attempt the registration that way so that we have their information when we want to promote something. Hmm. Like Family Um, Circle of Support is coming up in three weeks and we have five more spots available. Let's email all the counselors at uh, Austin ISD schools or Equality Texas wants trans student out in the panhandle to get interviewed by the local paper. Okay, let's email the guidance counselors or whoever else are in those schools. We're really fortunate here in Austin and Central Texas to have communities and schools of Central Texas, mm-hmm. uh, which we partner with to provide in-school support groups for youth. So there's a lot of kind of benefit working with them, get a lot of referrals from them. And then our community partners like LifeWorks sends a bunch of youth over here. And we're currently rebuilding our whole partnership platform so that it makes it easier for us to not only refer out but for folks to refer to us as well Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is still kind of these uh, takes on word of mouth we are very interested in starting PSAs and having those shown on television we'll see where that goes I love PSAs I do too (laughs) and we I've got one in mind that is it's special You can make a difference in a teen's life by checking out outyouth.com where you can donate a few bucks or a few hundred dollars towards their mission if you're feeling a bit generous. If you're an LGBT young adult looking for some extra support or just want to hang out with others, you can swing by their drop-in hours between 4.30 and 8.30 every Sunday and Wednesday and also on the first and third Thursdays of each month. Itching to make a difference in the world? Well, just check out our website everydaysuperhumans.com to learn more about the many heroes in our world. You can also like us on Facebook, tweet at us how you're saving the world to Superhumans cast and see what we're up to on Instagram at everydaysuperhumans. Are you ready to save the world? If so, be sure to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, not every hero has to fly. So grab your cape and let's go. Show them what we got. Show her. I don't know why we're showing them what we have, but (laughs) she's showing us what they have. We could cut all of that out.